We all have moments where we feel insecure. Without awareness, those moments of insecurity shape so much of our lives. Hi, I'm Chris McAllister, and I founded SightShift to help people like you and me, leaders and coaches, use the moments they feel insecure to transform their identity, their teams, and their culture. Listen in as I interview people around what it means to be the kind of leader who uses these moments to transform themselves. All right, friends, again, welcome to the new format. So fun. I get to introduce you to people who mean so much to me, and I'm sure we're going to get into this. I have got the funniest recollection, actually multiple, of today's guest. Friends, I want you to invite or welcome to the show, Doug Joseph. Doug, so glad you're here with me today, my man. It is so good to be here and great to connect, Chris. It's been a minute. Yeah, it's been, we were just figuring that out right before we hit record. Like it's been a couple years and time feels weird to measure now. It's such a before and after experience when the world broke. You are, you emulate, I feel like, the way you lead, your style, and we'll get into that today, fits so well with the impact you have on your clients. So tell us a little bit about what you do, Serif Creative, what it's about, and then we're going to get into your story. Sure thing. I'm the founder and CEO of Serif Creative. I founded the company out of my apartment on my kitchen table. And prior to founding Serif, my background was in indie filmmaking. Uh, shot music videos, shot documentaries, traveled all over the world, Iceland, Nepal, Indonesia. And from those experiences, uh, I really learned the art of storytelling. I really learned a lot about narrative and decided to take those learnings and I wanted a new challenge and decided to serve businesses and help tell their story. And I've always had a passion for storytelling. And Chris, it was actually you who pointed out where the root of that came from. And one day we were in a whiteboarding session and you're helping me prep for a talk. And it was just, you know, my origin story and whatnot. And I mentioned to you that I was raised in a biker bar and I'd take naps on the pool table. And you're like, dude, you need to include that. And I was like, yeah, I never really thought about it. I guess that is unique. So, you know, growing up, my grandma had a biker bar and I would be dropped off there, you know, throughout the day and we'd babysat and I'd hang out with you know, laborers and factory workers and bikers and would hang out with them. And that's where I learned the art of storytelling and community. And I think that's really where it all comes from. Yeah, man. I, you've already taken us there. I freaking love it. And, you know, when I think about our time here today, I really want to make sure people connect with some of the, the authenticity and impact of how you lead, because it gives people permission to be who they are as leaders. We're all the time, I think, comparing and look at how they are as a leader and look at how they are and I should be more like that. And I feel like there have been so many times with you where I've seen you click in on something and this thing just like shifts in your eyes and then like the past is the past now. This is where we're going. This is what's happening. This is what we're doing. Oh, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I've never considered myself typically, you know, the smartest person in the room, but I know I can outwork people and I can implement So. If somebody makes a recommendation, I'll change course and I can implement that. An example of that recently, you know, just on that note, I was chatting with a friend and just being real with them. I said, you know, sometimes I struggle with being a business owner versus being a film director. Like I love doing both and I feel like I need to put myself in this box, you know, go all in on being a, a filmmaker, you know, a film director or going all in on being, you know, an entrepreneur, business owner, working on the business. And I asked them, like, you know, what, what do you think I should do? And they're like, the answer is both. 
Sorry, look at George Lucas. Like he directed Star Wars and in the midst of directing Star Wars, he was standing up other businesses. Like, and they were like, go that route. And I was like, yeah. So it kind of gave me this, you know, peace that I can do both. And it wasn't until recently that that clicked. Oh man, I love that. I mean, I think that's part of how you and I can like pick up and dive right back in so quick because <laughs> that is exactly like where I'm at. For a number of years, it's about the practice and getting in the reps and, and really being able to be that transformational coach. But now what's changed over the last couple of years is, you know, we have a leadership team and it's really leading the business. And, and that's, that pulls me back to things I did in other eras or chapters of my life. But I'm so passionate about the work, like I know you are telling the story, but I'm also passionate about leading the team. And I think it makes us, everybody's got to walk out their own story but I think it makes us really powerful as clients because we're not doing the work from an ivory tower. Right? Sure, sure. We're, yeah, we're we're living it out. Yeah, we're on the front line. We're in the trenches. You know, it's hand to hand combat. Yeah. What's a story recently? And I know you may have some client confidentiality. So at whatever level you can share, that you've been really excited to help a brand or team tell that is just a source of joy for you. Hmm. Give me a second. Take your time, man. I have two. So one recently, we're working with the brand Rapsodo. They're headquartered in Singapore, have a North American office in St. Louis. They have this technology that measures ball movement for three sports, softball, golf, and baseball. And the data that it gives the athletes is amazing. So here lately, we've been able to really transform their business, tell the story, you know, make these Nike-esque style spots. And we've really been able to just up the ante on their content. So that's been really exciting. And Serif, you know, now has really been broken up into two divisions. There's a commercial side that's been here since day one, you know, serving clients, helping them win, you know, getting them uh, results. And that will always be a part of Serif. I love helping clients and solving their problems. That's just naturally my DNA. But there's been this other division of Serif that's been stood up earlier this year, and that's original content. So an example of that, production company A24, you know, they started out in original content, you know, making all kinds of great films from Good Time with Robert Pattinson, like their list just goes on and on. And they have a commercial side of their business called The Lab. So basically, Serif is that now in reverse. We started out in commercial, and now we're getting into original content. And that all started two years ago. So my wife challenged me. We're on vacation. And she said, Doug, you need to start another business. You need to start another project. You need to do something. And I went for a walk. And I was just thinking and praying, like, what do I do next? And my Twitter, I treat it like a journal. I just tweet it to myself. It's not really public facing. And I tweeted something to myself that I completely forgot about. And the tweet was, last night, I had a dream that I produced and directed a documentary about dirt track racing, and the name of it was Dirt Diamonds. That was the dream. So at that time, we had just sold our building in downtown Columbus in the Brewery District. And, you know, during COVID, we just weren't reporting in, so it wasn't an asset. We sold it, and it was a profitable transaction. So I decided to take a third of that and invest it into Dirt Diamonds. And over the last two years, we've been bringing this documentary to life We've logged about roughly 60 days of filming, and it's the story of outlaws, 
underdogs, troublemakers, chasing one prize, a win at Eldora. And it has been amazing, Chris. It's been such a journey. And I have stories from day, for days. We've captured fights and wrecks and all kinds of drama. We filmed with Mario Andretti at his house. We've been all over the country. It has been just a, a wild ride. And that's what gave me the idea of doing original content for Sarah, both independently, but then doing branded entertainment. And now we're scoped with brands doing documentaries with them. And that's just been a really exciting development. And I think through all of this, I push myself to the edge, you know, running Seraph day to day, directing Dirt Diamonds. My son was born when we were in the thick of production for Dirt Diamonds, you know, didn't sleep for four days and just went hard. But that pushed me to my edge. And I realize now, like there's a season, go hard, you know, make hay while the, uh, the sun shines, but then you have to rest. So now I'm in a season where I know rest is important. And if I'm not resting, I'm not reflecting and reflection is where the insights come from. So in summary, that's, you know, that's what I'm excited about. Original content, telling stories, serving clients. It's been a, it's been great. Thank you. Because I think this is such a powerful emulation of what I was saying earlier. And the last time that we went a little more in depth connecting, you were telling me about that, but it hadn't begun. And so now to connect yeah. here and to hear you've started, it's it's what we were just saying. Like you you, you commit to it. Yeah. So I had the dream, decided to pursue it. Mm -hmm. After I got back from vacation, I was getting coffee with my buddy Trayton at one line. And I said, hey, man, I have this dream about dirt track racing. Name of his dirt diamonds. Thing I want to bring it to life. He's like, my old roommate's dad in Lima, Ohio, Lima, Ohio owns a dirt track. I'm like, do you think you'd give me his number? He's like, yeah. So he got it for me that day. I called the guy. His name was Greg. And he's like, told him about the project. He's like, come on down, buddy. We got races this weekend. And we went, saw the whole movie play out in my head, and decided to do it. And I knew the type of characters I wanted. I wanted an underdog. I wanted an aging vet. And I wanted a wild card. And we found out that there was a, a woman racing that night. And we didn't consider, like, wow, there's actually, like, women who race in this sport with modern day cowboys. Like, so think of it as like F1 and a rodeo having a baby. That's what dirt track racing is. <laughs> so we found out that there was a, a woman racing that night and I chatted with her and she's like, look, I'm not trying to take myself out of an opportunity, but the girl you need to talk to is Harley White. And I called Harley and she was down to be in it. And she has a really remarkable story. And, you know, we just got into the filming and we were filming for roughly 15 days, but we still hadn't found our underdog. And we found this great father-son team, a 16-year-old prodigy. But I didn't let that hold us up. I was like, no, we're just going to keep going. We're going to execute rather than just wait, you know, try to time it. So I've always erred more on the side of, try to err on the side of execution versus planning. Dude. Okay. So I have to say this for those that watch the YouTube of this they're going to see it. The authenticity with which you are passionately telling your story, people listening won't. So I'll, I'll connect the dots. And I'm just going to mention this just to help us. Doug's so into it. You're pounding the desk, <laughs> I which I that. love, but it is going to pick up on the audio. So it's fine. So just going forward, but that shows like, I mean, you're, you're taking a nap on the pool table in the biker bar. You're going to the 
the rodeo plus F1 mixed. What a cool yeah. equation that is to understand dirt biking. So for you, do you look back and you've been like always this way? I'm just going to take this action. I'm just going to do this. Or was there a time where that really got strengthened in you or a switch flipped? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, growing up, I was always an artist, always expressing myself. So that's always been in my DNA. And I was always a fighter, always had a lot of like gusto, chutzpah. But there was also a period in my life where I was more just kind of maybe passive, just kind of pie in the sky. But then later in life, like in my early 20s, it just something clicked. I don't know. That's cool. I'm surprised that yeah. you haven't brought up the fruit bowl story. Dude, yeah. Okay. What's funny is <laughs> I have I have a few notes in front of me. That's one of them. Oh, it's so funny. You emulate the dirt bike story so well. It's the fruit bowl story. So yeah, the background on that is I'm with Doug in his office one day and he just looks and he's like, we need to have a fruit bowl with fruit in it. And it was the funniest thing to me to come back in. And then like so quick right after that, there's a fruit bowl with fruit in it. I mean, and that's the thing. It's like you are this man of action. So something clicked at your 20s. I think this is really interesting too. A part of your story, you had this like fight club going on as a young man. So we've got a scrappy person who's going to find a way, who's going to take action, who's going to, I picture like this gunslinger. How has, and congrats by the way, on the growing family. It's amazing. How has being a parent changed you? Has it made you take more risk, less risk, just different risk? Oh my gosh. That's a great question. I mean, actually I learned this from you, Chris, when I would work closely with you prior to having kids, like when you were on, you were on. So now being a parent, when I work, I work. I don't let things kind of fester and I'll get to it later. It's like, no, I just am very, I try to be accurate. Mm -hmm. So that has changed. And, you know, naturally my days now are not linear. Like things pop up, kids get sick. Oh, I, you need to take them to the doctor or, you know, things just happen that are outside of my control. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just being able to maneuver and adjust and trying to be predictable, you know, with my end time at work when I'm done working for the day, but also a lot of motivation comes from it. So naturally I'm driven to want to take care of them. You know, want to provide and be a good father and a good example. So yeah, it definitely has its challenges. Yeah. I do wonder like, what was I doing with all my free time prior to having kids? <laughs> It's amazing. Um, but yeah, I, I love being a dad and it's it's been so rewarding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man, um, way to go. I love the w- way you describe that. My days aren't as linear. You've made space for what has to naturally change. And what's funny is no shame to people listening that don't have kids, but people that are like, how can I be more productive? My answer is going to be this, have kids. (laughs) You can't not become more productive, you know, because you're like, yeah, like you said, what did I do with all that time? Before I had kids, I was actually meeting with a client and she said to me, once you have kids, you'll say like, how was I able to do this with not having kids? Like now I can do it because I have kids and you can't live without them. Like it becomes like a the source of like your motivation and inspiration. So in some ways it gets easier in some ways it gets harder. Yeah. 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 Such a both end thing. I love that. Both and. Yeah. So 
right now, you know, you look at the world, you look at the craziness and the intensity and the pain and the challenges, and, and it just feels like the pace of everything's faster and everything's on. What would you say right now to, to business leaders out there, maybe owners uh, too, both and, however you want to take this, that you think is something that they really need to be encouraged around right now? Hmm, that's, a, that's a deep question, thinking about it. I think it all goes back to trust. And if you can build trust within your organization, that's it. That's been like my word this year and last year. Because the higher level of performance that's required of the team, the higher the level of trust that's required. Mm-hmm. So I've been really asking myself, like, how do I build trust with my team? You know, up and down, left or right, like across the board. Yeah. Like, how can I build trust with them and foster trust among others? And I think it's really come down to communication and then repetition of that communication, like a consistent form of it. And then there being a high level of character and competency. When all those things come together, that's when trust hits and that's what allows a team to function at the and perform at the highest level. So I think that's what I would say to leaders is, you know, delegate, empower them, build trust. And if the trust is there, you can move heaven and earth. And that's that's really been my thing lately is trust. I love it. Where right now are you as a leader trying to improve your competency? Hmm, that is a great question. I think I will always be a lifelong learner of story structure. You know, the seven story archetypes the hero's journey, how to dial in a three-act structure. On a technical level, that's where I'm always trying to improve. But as a leader overall, I would say communication, just trying to be clear, uh, have clarity, uh, create predictability, like make sure the team knows where we're going. It's a lot like parenting, (laughs) like with kids, like, hey, here's what we're going to do for the day. We're going to have breakfast, we're going to brush teeth, and so my, you know, my kids will know like what's happening and they're, you know, it's, and I, and I've kind of noticed that as a parent, I'm like, you know, I, my kids know what is coming up next. They cooperate. <laughs> so I, that's kind of translated over on the business side is like, how can I be more predictable? Uh, that's been helpful. Dude. I love that. Well, something that I find myself saying a lot to younger leaders and you'll get this. It's just like when in doubt, what to do 99% of the leadership answer you need in the given moment you're in is what would a healthy parent do? Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, yeah, you even if you didn't get it, yeah, what would a healthy, if you can imagine it. Yeah. What would a healthy parent Go ahead. do? Yeah. You would always say that yeah. to me. I, yeah, that's good, Chris. Yeah. I mean, in our sessions, I mean, I, there were always so many nuggets of wisdom and, you know, one that always stood out to me, you taught me a tactic on creativity. Imagine sitting at a table with different versions of yourself, like an older version, a younger version, and asking them, you know, how to solve X, Y, and Z problems. And I will implement that from time to time in my creative process. But through our work together, I learned so many cool techniques like that. Oh, dude, that's so encouraging, man. Yeah, I wasn't even planning to go there yet, but I love it. So while we're there, for those that are listening that have also done this work of sight shift, or maybe they haven't, what for you sticks around the most? 
because I mean, and again, this was like six years ago, right? Wow, it's been that long. It feels like yeah. one or two. That's amazing. I know, dude. I know. Yeah, what sticks out? Two things. Number one, having a secure identity. So there are moments where things will get tough, they'll get tight, and I can always go back to my identity and compartmentalize. Whereas I can shift gears now, whereas if, I, if I'm working hard and then I'm at home and, like, you know, shifting gears, like, at a turn of a dime, like I'll need to do that. And I learned how to do that through our work together mm-hmm. going through Sight Shift. So just realizing where my identity comes from and then, like, through, like, the fear that I had, like, identifying, like, what that primary fear was led to me having my greatest strength. When that script flipped, it was, like seeing things differently. It was like the, it, it, something just shifted. That, that always stood out. And then neutral thinking. So envisioning scenarios, like let's say I'm going into a pitch, you know, whatever it is, and being okay with winning and being okay with losing. And then and playing out those scenarios and being okay with, with either and taking the edge off and just communicating from a place of identity. That's always what stands out to me and what comes to my mind right now processing that. Dude, incredible memory. It shows how much, A, you did the work, and B, have stayed on the path. So that is freaking awesome. I think this is something I didn't know if I would share, but it's so fun. I can't resist the urge. So you still have the award for the best referral ever. Is that right? Yes, yes. So I may have shared this with you, but I don't remember. But So you had referred somebody in, and here's what he told me. He said, Doug told me on the movie The Town when Ben Affleck drives up and is like, hey, hop in the car. We got to go mess this person up. And the guy just like hops in the car. He goes, if Chris ever did that, I would just jump in the car and do it. That's how much I trust him. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's the scene with Jeremy Renner. Yes. And that's a great scene in the town. But yeah. I, I'm probably messing up. Yeah. The, that's some a detail. No, you of mess it up. But that, yeah. It. Yeah. So like, yeah, Chris is in like inner circle. He needs something. <laughs> I, I always call it 3 a.m. club. Like. Chris calls me at 3 a.m. and he needs something, like, yeah, I'll be there. And not everybody's in my 3 a.m. club. That's a small list. (laughs) So that's so funny that referral said that. I know, dude. And, well, I remember, and this, you know, I hope people listening to this get a vision for, like, relationships and community and depth when there's not proving or hiding. Because one of the deepest struggles I ever went through, not in any of the books or the podcast, you were a part of that moment. I remember sharing it with you and just, like, you identified with me so much in that moment. And even viscerally, you had a response in your body. I watched your hand make a fist. And dude, it was just a beautiful time, beautiful mm. moment. I was watching what you were doing, which was taking Sarah from really multi-person business to this agency of yeah. impact. And dude, you have been on the path doing the work. It's a really beautiful thing. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, back in those days, we were just kind of a rough and rowdy <laughs> group, just kind of you know trying to figure it out. And, you know, there have been different chapters and still trying to find the best way. But over the last several months, I really feel like we've, you know, hit our swim lane now because we're just doing our bread and butter and that's content. We're not doing strategy, digital design. We're just focused now on creative assets, you know, telling stories, both on the commercial side and original content. And it's been amazing. So do you guys, do you get back together in an office now? That's the space you're in? Or is it still work from home? Yeah, we do a mix. We do uh, hybrid. So Mondays, Tuesdays, we report in. And even that, most of the time, is optional. But if we're doing, like, ideation, planning session, 
where there's like an energy, like whiteboarding, like we'll get together in person, but our team, everyone's adults. Like if you're doing your work, like I'm less concerned about like where you're doing it so long as the results are there. Typically we work Monday through Thursday. If work needs to be done on Friday, get it done. But if it's done, get your work done Monday through Thursday. And that's been our workflow lately. It's been working out great. Wow. Way to have a culture that you're really actively focused on trying to build it how you want to build it. As you think about like the culture where it is now, what you're wanting to do with the future culture of Seraph, what do you want to make sure that you preserve more than anything else that you think would be something other leaders could learn from? Yeah, that's a great question. What do I want to preserve? Give me a second. I'm processing that. You take your time. I'll tell you this. I love the realness of it. And I and everybody gets that you are considering your answers. I've got a take on it that as I was prepping for today, I had a thought for you. What is what is it? I'd like to hear your perspective in it. Yeah, what, I wanted to hear what yours would be first, but I'll offer it and we'll see. Find a way. Mm. I mean, I just, I think of like, when I think of Doug Joseph, I think of like, find a way. We're going to find a way. Once we've locked in on something that is true to who we are, we're going to find a way. Yeah, that's good. Okay, I can speak to that now. So I can just share a story of a, a team member who joined. We had a video editor who joined our team. And at the time, he was entry-level junior, and he was just going to be working on internal projects, right? He wasn't even going to be doing client work. He mm-hmm. was going to be helping with our, you know, just various marketing materials and whatnot. So at that time... I decided that he was going to report to me because I was leading a lot of our marketing initiatives and sidebar, I do not like having direct reports. Most people think direct reports are a good thing and you can do more. I'm a rolling stone. I don't like to collect moss. I just like to go. But when you have direct reports, like they don't work for you. You work for them. It's more responsibility. And I recognize that about myself. Like, But at this juncture, he was reporting to me. And day one... I just whiteboarded with them, like, here are my expectations. I have one speed, and it's fast. If you need something from me, troubleshoot, and then ask, and I will help you. But most likely, you're going to have to figure it out yourself. But I will be here for you, and I will help you. And then I, you know, laid out other expectations, too. Very simple. I was like, take a photo of this whiteboard. This is it. So over time, he started, you know, getting his reps in, and he was cutting and, you know, making progress on our... Mm-hmm. This intro projects. I'm like, man, this is pretty good. Let's mm-hmm. let's let's insert some of our commercial work. And he would say, Doug, I'm not sure if I can do this, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give it my best shot. I was like, you can do it. Just trust yourself. If you have questions, let me know. And he would always like go above the bar. And I would see, and then we'd start giving him more work and more work. And then over time. He was doing the majority of our commercial work, and now he's our head of post-production. It's amazing. So I think seeing people, you know, just become the best version of themselves, reach their version of their personal greatness, you know, creative greatness, personal greatness, their ambition, like the best version that they can be, that's that's what I'd want to preserve and, you know, finding the best way possible. Man, I love that. I mean, that's that's what a powerful, healthy culture is. We are collectively made better by every individual becoming better. And so we are not doing what unhealthy cultures do, which is put the collective before the individual. Go you, man. Well, this has been so encouraging, I think, for leaders of all types to find permission to be who they are. When you think about like who your ideal client is and who you're helping that is your favorite 
the ones you love to help the most, who are they? And if they're listening today, where would you tell them to go to connect with you? Yeah, great question. If they want to find us, connect, our website's seraphcreative.com. And personally, I'm most active on LinkedIn and Instagram, DC Joseph. And my LinkedIn is DC Joseph, the number one. And as far as, you know, what the profile looks for the companies we serve, it really falls into three buckets, connection, credibility, continuity. If they need help with those three, that's where we can serve. And I believe that's what it takes to achieve creative greatness. When those three things come together, the three C's of connection, credibility, continuity, that's when a brand really shines. So in order to build a connection, you got to tell the story to your audience, deepen that emotional connection. If you want to have credibility, you got to demonstrate your thought leadership, your expertise. And the last one, continuity, you have to have consistency. Consistency confirms authenticity. You have to have an ongoing dialogue with your audience. So if you look at Apple, for example, they follow all three of those. And that's why they've achieved creative greatness. They tell their story. You look at the 1984 ad, all their iPod spots from years ago, their billboard that's on 315 in Columbus. They're constantly building the connection. Their credibility, you look at WWDC, all their keynotes, they're perpetually demonstrating their thought leadership and expertise, and their continuity is there. They are consistently telling their story, building the connection, and I think that's why they've achieved creative greatness. So if a brand needs help in one of those three buckets, that's where we can best support. I love the clarity of that. Well, folks, for you listening, it's serif, S-E-R-I-F, creative.com. You can connect there. And then Doug gave you his details. Doug, thank you for coming on, sharing your heart, taking us from the biker bar to the boardroom. Oh, I just alliterated it for you. <laughs> oh, that's good, man. Yeah, it's been an honor to be here. And thanks so highly of you, Chris. Always will be an inner circle. And over the years of knowing you, you've imparted so much wisdom. And anybody who's considering going through SightShift on the fence, do it. And if you do do it, what you put in is what you get out. So uh, I encourage whoever is going through the process, like go all in and there will be fruit. And there's been a ton of fruit in my life because of SightShift. So highly recommend it. Yeah, keep up the great work, Chris. And it's been great being here today. Thank you, my friend, so much. Peace be with you. Later, man. Thanks so much for being here. You know that self-leadership is difficult. And as you listened, if you found within yourself a desire for more awareness for yourself, your team, or your culture, or the people that you would guide as a coach, you can find more at SightShift.com, S-I-G-H-T-Shift.com to take the next step.